Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. So we welcome you here on this Tuesday before Christmas to the Wise Guys. Uh, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. And uh, let's just jump right into it. Big 12 schedule release. We're going to discuss why we're not going to see it till February. Yeah, which is... We'll get we'll get more yeah. into it. We've got some interesting it, it ideas. Was, it on was that. we were told it was going to be out December first, and then the fifteenth, and then the fifteenth, and then well, now it's not. So there's some interesting happenings behind the scenes. We'll talk about that. Should I stay or should I go? That's the big question. I thought we would have an answer to this question this morning. Who are we talking about? We're talking about Jaron Hall and his decision. Uh, BYU's quarterback on whether to stay, come back and play one more year at BYU or to move on to the National Football League. And I honestly thought we'd have a decision by yesterday. Yeah. Um, but obviously he's not certain um, and is looking at some more things. And so. And maybe we'll get it before our show's done. I think we'll get something this week, hopefully. So that's so. Uh, that's something we're watching pretty closely, and we'll watch it through our, through our broadcast today. Uh, the late strategy change. That led BYU to a win at the New Mexico Bowl over SMU. We'll talk about that. Yep, how it came about, and and uh, we'll we'll review that game a little bit. Some of the really good things that happened, and some momentum that they're taking on. How about stuff in the Utes? That's always something good to talk about, right? <laughs> the, the magnitude of Mark Pope's triumph um, and his basketball team over this Utah team that was in the net. Top 20 yeah. coming into that game. Nine and two, and having come off a win against number four, Arizona. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit as we move on as well. Let's go with our headlines. And the headline for this week, and again, it can change here at any moment, but the Jaron Hall decision whether to go into the draft or return for his final year of eligibility. Um, he hasn't been on the football field since getting hurt against Stanford. That was before, well, two days after Thanksgiving. Um, didn't play in the bowl game, was on the sideline with a boot. We knew he wasn't going to play the whole time. Um, but uh, the staff played coy with it a little bit to keep to keep uh, SMU uh, off balance. However, he was always in a boot and, and on a cart. There was no mystery to this once, uh, once they showed up down there in Albuquerque. Uh, but the question is, why hasn't he decided one way or the other and and then let's talk about the ramifications of the little delay. Why hasn't he decided? Yeah, you know, I think there's a lot of data that he's been trying to gather from different sources, including NFL scouts, and he's trying to get a really good sense of where he will land in the draft. And and I think you know, put it this way: if if somebody had said to him. Well, you're a certain second round draft pick. We wouldn't even be having this conversation right now. Right. If if he was a, if he was going to be drafted in the second round, or maybe even if he knew for certain, at worst he was going to be a third rounder, he would have announced already. We would have heard about it yesterday morning. And um, but but I think there's some. He's getting some diff- different information uh, to find out. Okay. Well, where am I? Is it the third? Are you confident? Why is one person telling me this and another person's telling me that? 
Because I think as you, as you get further and further up there, as you get into that fourth and fifth and sixth round, or or you start talking free agent, and I'm not positive where he is at this point, because I don't know how to weigh the fact that he didn't just play in the bowl game and now everybody knows he was hurt again. Yeah. Right? And everybody's aware that he... They love his toughness that he played through an injury midseason, through about four games with a shoulder injury. But but he hasn't had a healthy campaign his entire career at BYU. How does that weigh in? Because from a skill set perspective, there's no question he has an NFL skill set. He's got, he's got the arm that can make every throw. He's a phenomenal decision maker. He's a great leader. He's From a character perspective, he's the guy you want on your team. So, so the only question mark is, ooh, how early do we draft him? Because the earlier the draft, the more upfront money we have to invest in him right. um, based on how confident we are that we think he can stay healthy in this league. And so I think if I'm, if I'm a person in the league, th- those are the questions. Had Jaron Hall stayed 100% healthy all season long, um, didn't have that little lull in the middle because of that shoulder injury. Never had the foot in the boot, ankle ankle injury with the foot in the boot, and and basically just did what he did. I think I think there wouldn't even be any question, and we'd all know he'd be going out. And BYU would have been in the top twenty, and his yep. highlights would have been on TV a whole if lot more. If he's healthy during those four that four game losing streak, I'm convinced BYU wins at least two of those. Yeah, games. absolutely. And, and it's a whole different deal, right? So, so it's a different season, but it wasn't right. And so I think that he. Um, needs some more data points, and that's why he hasn't. And maybe he'll get those today, and maybe he'll get those tomorrow. I think he just needs to talk to a few more people to feel comfortable about where he is and how secure he is. And it's very different than the olden days, like three years ago, where <laughs> with, with with NIL money and all right. those things, um, you actually have some money you're leaving on the table by going, right? Yeah, this is where the upside of NIL, we've been talking about the downside, and there's mm-hmm. plenty of it by uh, – Coaches poaching other players from other teams over money that they don't have to have their hands on because someone else is promising to pay it. But but this is the upside to it of, hey, it might be in your best interest to stay in school. Now, he's going to graduate. Uh, I think he just graduated in December. I think he's graduating this month. Um, and so it's not about staying and getting your degree, but it's about um, about staying in school and getting more prepared for a job. Uh, and the, the, here's where the NIL is like, hey, look, you don't just, it's not just you're out, good luck. It's, and now think about this, we can help you stay in school. And and that's that's the upside that I think it made it. If there's no NIL money, this, yeah, there's, there's no discussion. you've got a young family, you need you to go get a go. job. Right, and, and, and there's, so my oldest, Kellen, was done with school before his senior season. And and he was a borderline NFL guy. He would have been a free agent um, had he not decided to go to law school. And we had talked to, we talked to Andy Reid and some other folks about it. Um, and people remember that Kellen was a two-year, well, part of three-year starter at BYU at Free Safety. And he tells me the most fun he had was his senior season because he was already done with school. And so he only needed – he knew he was either going to go play or he was going to go to law school, Right. So in the fall, he only had to, he only had to be registered for one class. It wasn't like he had to have this worry about eligibility or all of that. And he actually, for his senior season, just got to play football and have fun and not worry about school. He loved it. And there was no NIL money back in those days. So there, there's something to be said if you've got an NIL deal and, and your, your prospects in the NFL aren't going to get worse, right? 
So so if he has a chance to improve his his prospects, be a higher draft pick, this is a heavy uh, quarterback class this year coming out, um, and, and he can make some money, and he's already done with school, so he can just enjoy it and just continue to work out and get better. There's a lot of upside to that. There is a big downside, and that is you could get hurt again. Yeah. You yeah. could get hurt again. I, I wrote that's, a, that's, that's the down. I wrote an article in the Deseret News this week on that it's decision time. Uh, one way or the other, uh, because if he drags this out and then goes, uh, the suitors that have come to BYU uh, or that are calling to say, hey, I'd kind of like to play out there, do they lose those guys? And so they lose Hall and and those guys. Drew Pine from Notre Dame, who had been here, was all over social media, uh, signed, uh, committed to Arizona State yesterday. So there's one that's gone right. that had deep interest in BYU. Uh, Keaton Slovis, Pittsburgh, USC quarterback. Uh, if you've been on Twitter or whatever, you know he was here a couple weeks ago scoping things out at practice with his parents. If you bring your parents, it's like introducing your date to your parents. That's right. It's not just like, <laughs> it's more well, I'll just go out. This is serious. <laughs> it's, it's more serious when um, your folks show up. So, so here's two questions for you. Number one, if Jaron Hall is in the portal and is showing interest in BYU, is there a better quarterback in the portal? And, Jaren and Hall? then oh, Jaron no. Hall. No. So even though we get tempted with wanting the next thing, something shiny and new or whatever, uh, the best thing for BYU would be to retain Hall. Oh, absolutely. And and but you know sometimes people get feeling like you know what he should go. Let's move on because I'm kind of excited about this the the mystery of the unknown uh, because we we know what Jaron is and quite frankly this was a tough season for him. And, and, and when healthy, he's awesome. And when unhealthy, he uh, was 0-4 and sat out a bowl game. So I think there's there's kind of that. And you can kind of get that vibe yeah, there, there's not social a, there's media. absolutely not a better player in the portal than Jaron Hall is. That's a great point, Dave. Because cause people have – I've had some say, well, is it better for BYU for him to stay or to go? And I, I look at him and I think, are you seriously asking me that question? Yeah. Like he, he is a – Top three round draft pick when healthy, right? And nobody in the portal has proven any better than that, right? Because they're in and, the portal. And then yeah, and then here's the other and here's the other thing about it. He has been in this system. He knows exactly how to run this system. He's established himself as a leader. His teammates love him. Um, he knows how to win. He's played against high, high level competition. Yeah, for BYU it'd be great, but but to BYU's credit, like when I think about the guys that, that deal with Jaron directly, it would be Aaron Roderick and right. it would be Kalani. They're unbelievably supportive of helping him get all of the information that he needs um, to make a good decision, and they will support him if he says, "Listen, now that I've weighed everything, this I feel, feel like I need to go, and this is why." They're going to rally around him and go, "Let's help you get ready for that next level." Um, that's why other quarterbacks will want to come and play for well, BYU because, I, because of the way that, that BYU handles that. And where BYU got in trouble this year um, was when Hall got hurt, there was such a difference between Hall and the guys that were waiting, the redshirt, Conover, Finnegan, uh, Soljay, Mayava, Peters, um, that they determined it was better to play an injured quarterback than the healthy backup. Right. That can never happen again. You just yeah. you can't have someone so far off going into the Big Twelve because your quarterback is going to get hurt. Yes, yeah, likely going to. And get then hurt. all of a sudden, you can't play someone on a regular basis that can't throw. Yeah, your your young guys ha- ha- have to work out 
Um, and there has to be enough space in between them that they don't get itchy and go, oh, well, I'm only one. Because if you have a guy one year behind Jaron Hall two years ago, in today's world, right. he's gone. Look at, you just talked about Pine from, from Notre Dame. Pine started and won a bunch of games for Notre Dame last year because their starter was hurt. And when he went and met with folks, I'm assuming this is why he's in the portal. They probably said, hey, you know, he didn't lose his job while he was injured, and you were phenomenal, and you're going to be the guy down the road. And he probably looked and went, wait a minute, there's not enough years in between. Yeah. He, I don't think I'm going to be that yeah, guy. There's not enough years between he and I, and if he's your guy, then I need to go be somebody else's guy. Now, if your quarterback is a junior and you're a freshman, and you're really, really talented, and you get that freshman ready to play, or a sophomore and a senior, and then you can say to them, hey, you're going to have your chance. And guess what? If you play two years here and you're good, that's a pathway to the NFL. Be patient. It's hard to have the perfect staggering of quarterbacks that they don't get anxious, because what happens is exactly what's happened in Notre Dame. So you know what Notre Dame has to do? They need to go out and find a really high-level FCS or junior college guy or a big-time incoming freshman to back up their other guy now because they just they were very fortunate. And Notre Dame had a solid season. Not you know Notre Dame standards are crazy like BYU's right yeah. with the schedule they play, but they were solid because they had Pine as a backup. Imagine if he but now he's gone, so now they got to go figure that out. It's it's a new world of college football. So BYU's going to bring in a JC guy. We 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 know that. Uh, they've got to, if Hall comes back, then they've got to use next season to fill the gap because they can always get a senior in the portal. And they, they have a really good freshman coming in that's coming next, right. in two weeks too. Yeah, and so they, they've got to, they've got to, but they've got to have somebody in between because you can't just go from fifth-year senior to freshman no, not to against win a bunch Texas. Of games. Right. Yeah. right. So the, the, that would be that. Or if Hall leaves, then you either get a stopgap guy for one year or you get maybe somebody who's a junior in the portal where you can get two, right? which I think is ideal if they're decent. And I think Pine has three. Yeah, he's but, got three. No, so, so I think that's what was attractive well, about I him. Think, I think that Pine, that was the most attractive thing about him was that, that if Jaron goes out, you bring him in, you're like, this guy just started a bunch of games as a freshman last year. He still has three left, years left to play. And so he's the solution for the next three years, right? And now we can bring our young guys along just great. Um, but you know what you do? You take you take the best available guy in the portal. And so if if he decides to leave and there's a one-year guy left, you go, okay, well, then here's the plan. The one-year guy, we got to get him ready to play in this system right now. He's a proven entity. Um, we get him ready to go. Um, and this new, coming, new incoming freshman we got, now we've got a year to get him really ready to go. Um, maybe bring a JC guy in to compete. Um but I feel like you have to have three guys competing for that job that, that can all play. Yeah. BYU got really, really spoiled with Romney as the backup. Right. Because he was a he could have started a lot of places and he was patient enough to stay at BYU, even though he was only a year behind Jaron, right? In fact, he and Jaron were the same year. Yeah, that. and it just worked out because he was closing in on his degree. Yeah. I think his wife was in school, and it was like, you know what? And he wanted to play with Gunner. Yeah, probably and, and it just it just worked out. And then the then the uh, then Tate was coming. Yeah, and, and let me tell you, this is the that situation that BYU had the last two years is a rarity in college football. Yeah. To have somebody as good as Baylor Romney as your backup quarterback, it's you know I remember talking to the coaches and we're like, well, Jaron's out. What's going to happen? They go, nothing. We run the exact same offense. Baylor can run the exact same offense. We're not going to change 
anything because he can execute this thing as good as anybody in the country can execute an offense. We have no worries. And, and, and more importantly, you would talk to the teammates and they would go, yeah, we have no problems. Right. We, got ba- we got Baylor coming in. Yeah, That's not normal in college football anymore because those guys aren't patient and they leave. A Baylor-Romney would have gone two years ago in today's college football world. Well, maybe Baylor wouldn't have because he's a special kind of a kid, right? Uh, pe- people should, uh, when we look back and look at that, people should be really grateful because he won some big games for BYU over the last several years. Really grateful for his mentality and his commitment to team and his, um, you know, it, and, and I wouldn't have blamed him to, to go. Right. Someplace. Wanted to play. I would support him. A heck of a great kid. You know, and this is where parents uh, can get in the way. Uh, voices outside get in the way, and pretty soon you can convince a player, I'm not getting enough passes. I'm not getting enough plays. I'm the best ever. Uh, I, I deserve better, and I'm not going to wait. And then you realize, you know, it probably should have. Maybe you could have been all those things, but you're not it right now. Yeah. And if you stay and work, you could be it. things develop. Right, especially um, a young player, right? Yeah. And – and patience still can be a virtue for, for these young players that are coming in. Um, this mentality, I, 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 should be, I should be targeted a bunch as a freshman or a sophomore. You, you really, at a Big 12 level, which BYU is now, if you have two great seasons, junior and senior season, at, at, at your position in your NFL dimensions, that's all you need to be an NFL player. Right. And, and if that pathway is there and you can be a – uh, a contributor, contributor as a youngin, and then be the focal point the last couple of years of your career. Really, all it takes is a phenomenal senior season to do it. And, and you see too many guys just go, well, I need it, I need it right now, I need it right now, and a little myopic um, where they're like, wait, the guys that are a little bit older, they're not necessarily more talented than me, but they have more experience, so there's a reason for them to be on the field. And eventually I'm going to be in that role, and I'm going to be the guy. Um that's kind of lost at times now. That notion that the grass is always greener has always um, – it's always been relevant because everyone always believes it is greener on the other side mm-hmm. of the fence. Mm-hmm. Um, in NIL, we can use that same analogy. Uh, the NIL necessarily isn't greener uh, because none of it's guaranteed. You're all going by handshakes and deals, and you, so you chase this somebody promising you something that is too good to be true, which is another notion – which is always proven. If it sounds too good to be true, it, it is. It probably is, right? <laughs> and, and so you see kids jumping uh, jumping in the dark, expecting this to grab this handful of money just sitting there, and they come to find out that it isn't there. And now you've jumped, and you know what? If you jump back, you got to sit out a year. Right. This it's, is your free year, yeah. and they jump. And I, I think sometimes they jump into the water, and they go, I don't know how deep that is. But it seems like it's deep, so I'm jumping. And then you find out that it's not. Yeah, and it's, it's, knee, it's, and it's knee deep. It's knee deep, and, and you, you die, and you don't. You break your ankle or your nose. But I think <laughs> that's that's uh, that's that's the world we're in, and and, and we've and seen some other Cougar. The Barrington brothers have gone into the portal. Mm-hmm. They're going to go. One's already going to Baylor, and I imagine the other one's going to yeah, follow why, suit. Why, why would the other one not go with his brother? Right. right? Why right. would that not be a package deal? And how would how would uh, how would that scenario on that offensive line? be better than the same offensive line in the same league, but for BYU, if 
if you're if you're if it's not an NIL thing and maybe you got more money, uh, maybe you like the coach better or this or that. The freedom is you can go do it. That's the right. that's the rule. Yeah, and you, you can do it, but it's, uh, it's a head scratcher. Yeah, and there's and, and it depends on what your ultimate goal is too. Like if there, you might be miserable and just need a different venue, and not, I'm completely okay with that, right? But. If the ultimate goal is, hey, I'm a great player and I want to get to the National Football League, we're in the league that BYU is playing in starting this fall, um, the pathway is there just just as well as it is with any other team in that league, right? Yeah. If you're good, you're going to have eyeballs on you. And if you have the skill set, you're and it's always been that, it wouldn't matter if you're a Weber State. If you have the talent, you're, you know, the pathway may be a little bit longer, but you can get there, right? But now where BYU is in the Big 12 competing with those, you're playing against NFL talent um, every single game. If you're good, you your pathway is just as easy to the NFL at BYU as it is at TCU or Baylor or Kansas State or any other team in that league, right? Yeah. So there's no... That's not a reason to go anymore. Well, I want to go where I can get more exposure to NFL folks because I think it's better for my NFL career. That that reason's lost. Even so, in basketball, Damian Lillard proved that. You can I, go to Weaver State and you can make a bazillion dollars in the NBA. Well, and, and BYU, even though they've been in independence, some of the best players in the National Football League are from BYU right now. It certainly didn't stop Fred Warner from being one of, if not the best, Linebacker in the National Football League right now. Yeah. Um, Kyle Van Noy was on a heck of a run for a while. Tyler Algier right now is performing as one of the top running backs in the National Football League. Zach Just Wilson. Just left BYU last year. Zach Wilson today announced he's going to start again on Thursday. Yep. Number, uh, two, number two pick. And, I, and, and yeah. if they'll be patient with him, he actually is, is, has a good come, chance to be Come on, Jets. A chance to be good. But, but it's, never, it's, it's never been at BYU, even when they were in the Mountain West Conference or in the old WAC, has not been a deterrent to your ability to play in the NFL. And now with the Big 12 – this notion that, well, I want to get the exposure, I want to be playing against the best, well, that's going to be happening every single solitary Saturday. So so, so why do you leave? You would leave either you're miserable with your coach or you're getting money. And and I hate the fact that that's part of the deal now, but that that's really the only the couple of reasons. Because it leave. used to be uh, no one cared if you didn't like your coach, you signed to play there. And right. the money was illegal. Well, and I should and say now, that. Now the money's legal and... And you can do what you want. We're only referring to players that are highly talented. And, and so I'm talking about guys that if you're at BYU and you know you have a role, you're going to be a starter and a featured guy and you transfer. Which, by the way, there's not very many of those. No. Right? Not, not many stars no, are transferring. No. Um, there's a lot of guys transferring that people keep going, well, another one, another one, another one. And I'm going, guys, here's the difference between now and just even two or three years ago. There's... This might be a little more turnover this year as, as BYU goes into the Big 12. First of all, they're shedding some some weight from COVID years, right, where you had more players, allowed to have more players, and they're kind of working through that still. Um, every year, this is the time of year when coaches sit down with players and say to the and, and talk to the players about the reality of what they're role is going to be moving forward. This is where you're at right now. This is where I see you right now. And every year players go, well, I don't like that I'm not in the top three linebackers right now. Why am I not in the top three? Well, because we have three guys that started seven games coming back next year, right? Yeah. Well, I don't like that. I, maybe it's time for me to be in the portal. Well, we think you have a great future with us. Um, we we think you're going to be a guy. You're a young guy. 
But starting in spring ball, the three guys that start a bunch of games are going to be in front of you, and it's your job to displace them, and we're going to give you every opportunity. Some guys go, no, I'm going to go someplace where they're telling me I'm going to be the guy. And they transfer, right? That's one scenario. Another scenario is they sit down, and the coach goes, hey, you've been here for two years now, and I'm, I'm sorry, I just don't see it. It's not, it's not working out. Um, you've been passed by by this guy and by this guy. You're, you got a bad you're, attitude. You're, you're number four, or you're obviously miserable here. Yeah. Um, I, haven't, I haven't enjoyed the work ethic. Uh, listen, I'm not telling you you've got to go, but I don't see a future for you here, and I think you may have opportunity someplace else. There's those trans and those, but what used to happen three and four years ago, both of those scenarios used to just quietly go transfer, and we'd hear about it on the back end. They wouldn't go on Twitter and say, I'm entering the transfer portal for everybody to go, oh, there's another guy leaving. Yeah. They, we don't know what the scenario is. Believe me, there's there's a couple of those that be always like, man, we do not want these guys to leave. We're very disappointed that, we're, that they're going to leave. There's a couple of those guys where they're like, man, we wish that guy would stay and battle for a job, but we're not going to make them promises that, that aren't real. They need to earn it. And then there's another handful that they've said, you just don't have a future here, but we care about you, so let us help you find someplace else to go. All three of those scenarios are represented in the announcements, I'm in the transfer portal. So be <laughs> careful before you start counting people up and going, what in the world is going on? So the Jaron Hall watch continues, and uh, and and he could make his decision anytime today after, after our broadcast, uh, and we'll keep you posted uh, as we hear it. Uh, if he does come back to BYU... How many more wins is that next year in the Big 12? So it's versus what? Versus we have versus, to go, uh, versus we go with a veteran like quarterback. A, like a portal. Slovis. That's been okay. out there in the social media. Let's so, say Slovis. So, so I say a Keaton Slovis for a Jaron. I think Jaron's worth one to two more wins, honestly, because of his familiarity with everything that they're doing and you just hit the ground running and all that. Um, he's probably... I would say one, maybe one, if it's a really, really high-level transfer, right? Yeah. Um, if it's you got to bring a new young person in that's unproven and you got a brand-new guy, whether it's a JC guy or you're playing one of the young guy, you know, a young guy um, that, that just signed, um, then it's probably two or three wins, right? So, so it might be the difference between one to three six wins, wins yeah. a six-win season and an eight-win season? Yeah, yeah it is. And, and, and believe me, realistically – my, my goal for BYU in the first two years in the league is to get bowl eligible. Yeah, get to six. People, like, hey, the Barringtons are transferring to Baylor. Well, guess what? Baylor was four and five <laughs> in the league this year. BYU. Baylor was six and six this year. They, they were great last year. They were six and six this year. Hey, guess what? TCU was miserable last year and their college football playoff this year. When you're in the Big 12, you're going to vacillate back and forth. And every year you make a bowl game is a big deal. One thing we do know. Uh, as studiers of Cougar Nation for the 33-plus years we've been doing this together, BYU fans are not prepared for a six-win season. That is not acceptable. Not, not it's realistic, but <laughs> realistic and what's acceptable are two very different things because realistic six could be a really good year next year as the schedule, depending on how the schedule shakes out. Um, Cougar fans watching six losses next year, out of their minds. They might go crazy. Out of their minds. Everybody might go crazy. But have, I think we lost some people in October. And that, and then we had an injured quarterback. Uh, and we played Notre Dame, Arkansas, at Liberty, and, and uh, East Carolina. And that was awful. Um, we, we, we had a chance to win the three of the four. Liberty just mopped us up right from the start. Yeah. But um, 
even with an injured quarterback, it doesn't sit well. We don't like to lose, no. and we're and, not built on losing. And it's so it's so interesting to me. Do you know how many people I've talked to in the last couple of days that have gone, man? I sure am glad we got that bowl game because for some reason eight just sounds so much better than seven. <laughs> like the fact that they got eight wins this season makes it so it's like it's. I'm still not happy with it. Everybody's saying, I, "Yeah, I'm just dis- uh, but, disappointed." But 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 if we had only won seven, I don't know what I would have. I, I just I just couldn't wrap my head around. It. I was like, "Wow, that one game made all the difference." And one thing we said here on the show before the New Mexico Bowl is, if BYU was ten and two, they would have still been in the New Mexico Bowl. Yeah, that's the problem last year. Not next. That's year. life as an independent. Not next year. Next so, year, ten and two, depending on what happens around the country. Um, you're like Kansas State is in, is in a New Year's Six Bowl. Right. Yeah, and and they're against Alabama. Yeah, and they're ten and two. Right. I think so. Are they? Or do they have three losses? They might have three, but they'd won the Big Twelve championship. Right. Right. But so it's it's like a whole different deal starting starting. It's, it's going to be a different deal. Puka Nakua still hasn't made his decision. That could come today. Uh, we believe he is uh, heading out uh, to try his hand at the NFL. Um, I got mixed feelings about that one. Um, yeah, Kansas uh, Kansas State's ten and three. Ten and three, and they're playing a ten and two Alabama. So with three losses, Kansas State's in New Year's Six Bowl. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And they 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 had to fight, scratch and claw to get there, and and they did. Uh, Pukunakua, um, Pukunakua is easy, more easily replaceable than Jaron Hall because of the depth in the receiver room, and because you you don't have one guy that plays that position. You've yeah. got a bunch, and, and they so, all have to be good. So he too. Why hasn't he made his thing? It's like uh, if you're going to do it, do it. Yeah. Um. And, and you know what? I guess. There's no like forced timetable, but it's just, just if you know if you're moving, move. And, Announce and the, your move. And the thing, both of those guys um, have had a really good experience. Like when you talk to Puka, just go watch Puka. Go back and watch any game that Puka is in and see the smile on his face. Mm-hmm. And we, we we've had a chance to go out and watch some practices. He's just smiling every day in practice. Puka didn't have a great experience at Washington. No. He had a phenomenal experience at BYU these last couple of years, and. So I just wonder if, like, in his mind, he's just like, it's not a sure thing at the next level for anybody unless mm-hmm. you're a first or second round draft pick. Puka's not going to be a first or second round draft pick. No. Um, so I wonder if in his mind he's like, man, I've loved this. I Do I really want to give this up? Is there NIL money out there that's guaranteed to me? Is there a way for me to stay? Is there a way for me to stay? And, and stay and, and, in and school so I, I think, and all I that stuff. I think they're going back and I think they're going back and forth. I'd love for him to come back. Oh, he'd be phenomenal. Yeah, that would. You'd get both of those guys back. That's but if you had to pick start. one of the two, you'd pick Jared well, Hall because the whole offense is centered on the quarterback, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And BYU is really deep at wide receiver. And you think about Chase Roberts and Cody Epps and Keanu Hill, and like they're really, really good. Puka's next level, but but at any given route, you got four or five guys out there on a route, and and everybody has to contribute. And BYU is really deep and really talented. One of their most talented positions on the field. Is at wide receiver and mm. and so you could you could do um, better if if it was just po- if you were only picking one guy to go um, BYU would survive better or, or fare better um, if they had Jaron back in there running this offense. One thing we have seen is that the portal's active and uh, and and BYU is going to lose guys and they're going to get guys. And uh, the week began with the word from a. Uh, UNLV's running back, who's in the portal that he's committed to BYU, and that is Aiden Robbins. He's 6'3", 230 pounds, ran 209 times last season for 1,011 yards, nine touchdowns. He has 
two years of eligibility, which I think is uh, is the, uh, the the light comes on a little bit. Yeah, like really two nice. years yeah. of that, caught twenty five passes for one hundred twenty five yards. And a touchdown, and then and then I saw an interesting thing. Well, okay, what did you do against decent defenses? Yeah. Fresno State has a decent defense. It was a very good team this year. Who did they hammer in their in, bowl game? Washington they, State. Yeah, Fresno State was the best team in the Mountain West. We Boise State and Fresno State were the two best teams in the. And league. San Diego State has and always had a good run defense. De- defensively, San Diego State's never never going to be so bad. combined against those two. Yeah, Fresno State beat Washington State twenty nine to six in their bowl. Yeah, dominated. Robbins against San Diego State and Fresno State combined for 47 rushes for 259 yards and a touchdown. Now, he's not running behind BYU's offensive line. He's running behind UNLV's offensive line. I've seen some video. You've seen some video. It's out there on YouTube. It looks like he's legit. Yeah, he's a big, strong, he had 230 pounds, 6'2", fast, physical guy. And so, um, yeah, well... I mean, we'll see in this scheme, you know, does does he fit well? But, but all indications are that he's going to be a really nice addition. And he wasn't a guy that was sharing carries like Chris Brooks. Right. You know, Chris Brooks. He's a thousand-yard rusher. He, he, was the, he was the meat of UNLV's ground attack. But before UNLV, he was at Louisville for two years. Before he signed with Louisville, BYU recruited him heavily out of high school, and he decided to stay home, play for the Cardinals. Yeah. So and, he, and he didn't get a lot of – didn't get he didn't much get a lot there. Of opportunity there. His first opportunity to get on the field was at UNLV, and that's where the transfer thing is a good thing for yeah. kids, right? Yeah. Um, and 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 the portal. Here's right. where the portal works for BYU. Right. Right. Uh, and and uh, sometimes guys blossom later. Tyler Algier was playing linebacker when he when he was at BYU. That's unbelievable, actually. <laughs> and uh, and and look what look what he did. Uh, and and I'm not saying he's Tyler Algier, but I'm saying that where he's coming from, he was a very important piece of. Of when, UNLV's when offense. When you mentioned Tyler Algier, that goes all the way back to the original point we were making at the beginning of this, and that is, you know, if you're patient, you know, things can still work out. Yeah. And that you don't have to be a four-year starter to, to be a great player. Tyler Algier played linebacker for two years and then moved to running back and played running back for two years. And he's a starting running back in the National Football League and is a monster right now. And everybody's talking about him. Hey, next week on The Wise Guys, Danny Ainge, BYU Hall of Famer, Utah Jazz CEO. He's going to be live with us. And Tim Lacombe, former BYU assistant basketball coach and now uh, broadcast analyst uh, for the Jazz. That's next week. That'll be December 27th here on The Wise Guys. We'll, we'll wrap up the year with a bang. Uh, and we're excited to have Danny Ainge come on with us, which makes it a, a great month. We had Ty Detmer yep. last oh, week, yeah. Danny Ainge next month. week. Um, so that's coming up next week. Big 12 schedule release date has been moved back to February 1. There's been some talk around the league that they were going to announce, because we're like going, what? What gives here? Something's afoot. Something is afoot. And and there's a buzz going around in the inner circles of, of things uh, that the Big 12 wanted to release the 2023 and 2024 schedules together right? because it would be Texas and Oklahoma's last two years and they'd do the home and homes. Right. Well, there's Oklahoma been, and Texas yeah. want to get out early. And there's been... And, so and then you can't there, release the two schedules. It didn't seem like there was an appetite for that um, from, from the Big 12. Um, and the schools seemed like it's a hopeless uphill battle. We're just going to be in the league through 24. But in recent weeks, maybe the last month, there's been a lot of talk that that the Big 12 may uh, allow, you know, with with 
some certain, incentives. Certain arrangements and some incentives may allow them to go a year early so they'd play in the 2023 season. Here's why I think they're going to do that. And we're saying may, right? Yeah. Here's why I think. Here's my theory. There is no way under the sun that the SEC is going to allow the Big Ten a full year of being the granddaddy super conference of them all because SC and UCLA join in 24. Right. Texas and Oklahoma can't get out until 25. Right. Now, do you think the SEC is going to let CBS and the Big Ten enjoy 12 months of we're better than everyone else? The SEC prides themselves on, on being the leader, yeah. right? on leading out in all of this. Um, and that's why I think they're trying to figure it out. And and, and I think that's why the SEC now is willing to give the Earth, well, Moon, and the Stars, and and, 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 and and away games to Big Twelve team, anything to make it attractive to get out. Yeah, and I think your Mark uh, played it right from the beginning, where he played hard. Like no, they're, they they're under contract. They're staying like to have leverage at this point. We're like we really want this to happen, and they've well, got total leverage. Well, total leverage. This is what's going to have to happen. And so, so the 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 interesting question that you and I have been talking about a lot this last week is if they leave early, will will the Big 12 expand more quickly? Because right. because your mark has also on multiple occasions been quoted as saying, yeah, we're we're absolutely open to that if it's the right thing for the league. And we we certainly are looking west is what he said. And the uh, Pacific time zone. Right. We're looking at the Pacific times. That doesn't include the Utes. Right. Pacific time zone is Washington, and, Oregon, right. the Arizonas, depending on uh, yeah, the daylight year? savings. I think when he says Pacific time zone, he's probably most specifically talking Washington and Oregon, right? Yeah. And Oregon's a big, big franchise. Um, and, they, and now UCLA's Board of Regents have, have, approved, have allowed them to which, leave. Which, people thought that might be an obstacle, and it, and it wasn't the obstacle that they thought it was going to be. No. Right? Money talks. Money talks. So that's going to happen. I, I do believe that the Pac-12 now is more vulnerable than ever before in all these discussions. Right. And, if, you know, he hasn't minced words, the commissioner of the Big 12. And he said, yeah, we're, we're open to that. Um, and then there's a second question that comes with that. So do they expand? And who would those expansion teams be? Right. And what what does this do in terms of changing how quickly BYU gets a full share of conference revenue? Because... Remember, there was a phase-in uh, part of it for BYU. For two years. Because Texas and Oklahoma were still in the league, right? So there were more mouths to feed, right? And you kind of you phase in as they leave, and then you get a full share. Because the new TV deal doesn't kick in right? until they're out. Right. And, so, and they got more money per team with them yeah. out, by the way. So the new contract was not based on Texas and Oklahoma right. being in the league. So then the question is... Um, does BYU get bigger money earlier in this process as a result of them? See, I think that's interesting. Uh, we'll ask Brian Santiago, the deputy AD, who's going to come on with us next month um, before the schedule announcement. We'll ask him that question because could it be that if a BYU has a year trimmed off of that period, the transition where, the period, transition period um, that that um, they could pick up an additional twenty-five to thirty million dollars? If Oklahoma and Texas leave early, well, because that's other, what all the schools are getting. Here's the other thing: it's not just fewer mouths to feed; it's also you know they're not letting them go without some type of penalty, cash penalties, and payments, and and things like that. So there there would be revenue coming in that perhaps we don't know, perhaps BYU could share in. So we're just speculating. 
but 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 I think it's a legitimate speculation uh, that the Cougars would get more if the two schools leave early. And so then you'd have to ask yourself, is that one game against Oklahoma at Provo worth $25 million? And that answer would be absolutely not. Yes, you're exactly right. (laughs) So it's, and I think your Mark's a genius here. Let's see how it plays out because he could have his cake and eat it too. Uh, Everyone could get more money. Those teams are going to leave. I think it's hard to keep a team in the league. It's like, it's like a marriage. We're getting divorced in two years. Uh, right. Because legally, that's what the judge says. So let's just act like we're married for two more years. That's impossible. There's an end. And so it's like, well, if it's going to be in two years, why not make it now? Or <laughs> after this coming season. And then, and then you've got to buy your way out. So that's something to watch. That could, be, that could make BYU millions of dollars if Oklahoma and Texas leave early. And, and interesting, I, I was looking at this the other night, the Big 12 standings. So when when we think when we think of the Big Twelve, we always feel like um, Oklahoma's right at the top of those, right? But this has been an interesting year. Yeah. As as these as Texas and Oklahoma are on the way out, um, Texas finished overall eight and four, and six and three in the league. They finished third in the Big Twelve. With no season. guarantee, they're going to win their bowl game. Right. Um, and then you've got Baylor, or you've got um, Oklahoma. Who finished three and six in conference, the same as Kansas, and six and six overall. Now it's understandable because their head coach left and took half the team with him to USC, right? I know that's an exaggeration, obviously, but <laughs> took the best one. But, but he took but, the best player. He took the best player for sure. And Oklahoma was reeling from that. It just goes to show you how important a quarterback is, right? Um, and Oklahoma will be back. They'll be good, and Texas will be good too. But but it's 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 an interesting time where TCU. Won that league with twelve and one record, nine and zero in conference, um, and of course they lost in the championship game. Kansas State ends up ten and three this year. Um, Texas Tech had a good year and finished seven and five this year. Oklahoma State is seven and five, um, and then you got Baylor at six and six, Kansas at six and six, Oklahoma at six and six, West Virginia at five and seven, and Iowa State at four and eight in that league. So that I mean that that's the league for you. Um, it's going to be a competitive league. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be really tough with Oklahoma and Texas in it. But even with those guys gone, it's 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 not like the two best teams in the league are leaving right now. And even in Kalani's uh, post-game news conference after winning the New Mexico Bowl, he was finally able to answer the question about the Big 12, and he's a big smile on his face going, yeah, we can't wait to start the Big 12. We're going to work now. It's, it's so all about the Big 12. He's had asked his guys to not talk about it during the season. Don't take it away from the seniors who are having their last blast. Uh, but now that is over, and it's all about moving forward in BYU's uh, P5 football program, and they're heading to the, to the Big 12. By the way, the early signing day is tomorrow. Right. And uh, full coverage on BYU Sports Nation at noon Eastern time, 10 Mountain time on BYU TV and uh, BYU Radio, um, and, and maybe there'll be some portal additions there. We expect a couple of uh, guys to be announcing soon that are going to be game changers for BYU on the defensive front. Yeah, and, and BYU recognize they've got to get way bigger and way more physical up front um, to compete in the Big 12. As they evaluate, as Jay Hill and Kalani, those guys have been looking at, what do you got to do to play in the Big 12? Um, especially inside on defense, and and they they've got a couple of big um, uh, commits that are on that D line that are going to come in. Um, they've got an edge rusher we can't name names yet, but that 
that you're going to hear about here in the next couple of days that's going to transfer in. That's, and that's uh, big. It's like, whoa, okay. Yeah, like really, really right. good one. Jay Hill uh, has come in at, uh, at at a good time, and, and he told us uh, on game day last week, it's priority number one is to rebuild the front seven. Yep. Have to build the front seven on defense. Yeah, and and, and interesting, yeah, he looks, and I watched again during that bowl game, is pretty solid in the secondary. They've got a lot of young guys. Like, yeah. hey, the defensive player of the game, you know, it was Ben Bywater. He's a youngin. The defensive player of the game in the secondary, Jacob Robinson, he's a youngin. Michael like, Harper's back there Michael with him. Michael Harper's a young Like, they have a lot of really good young players, and they have some depth in the back end. Um, and you know what? They're in pretty good shape at linebacker. They're going to add a face or two there, too. But 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 they look pretty good at linebacker as well. Um, the news of Keenan Peely being in the portal, I don't think he's announced he's going anywhere yet no i haven't seen remember anything. that those can also be kind of they can test things out and decide decide to stay although i think once you put your name in the portal um you send a message to your team that uh, hey i'm looking to get out and that's not necessarily a good message to and there's back. no guarantee that when you come back and go hey went into the portal took a look around i'm gonna yeah, stay here it's stay like, well yeah, well guess what you know we, what? Recruit, we took a look around recruit, too we recruited over the top <laughs> yeah. of you right so but but uh, you got you got Max Tooley coming back, who's a phenomenal player. P- people forget about him because he sat out the end of the year injured. Yeah. But what a great start to the year! He was amazing in that Baylor. They game. just got to get deeper. They need and, two and Max Tooleys. Ben, ben Bywater. Remember they moved Fisher Jackson over. Yeah. Um, toward, toward the end of the year, and he played. Jackson Kafusi played really well in that game. Um, Kavika Gagne, who they were thrilled about as a freshman, uh, was injured midseason. He'll be back for next year. Um, now the big question is. This is two years in a row where they've been devastated with injuries. I'm talking four, five, six injuries in that position group two years mm-hmm. in a row. Um, it came in as a position of strength two years in a row. It will come in as a position of strength again next year. Somehow they have got to figure out how to keep that group relatively healthy. Yeah, and they're you going can, with a whole a new... Or two, but not four or five. No, and they're Nobody going with can. a whole new strength and conditioning. Yep. Yep. program with with coaches there we'll see how that plays out in that new mexico bowl byu won 24 to 23 uh against smu jacob robinson had that game saving tackle on the two-point conversion attempt with eight seconds left i thought it was interesting that byu had 23 guys out with injury from from the season yeah. 23 guys and they somehow held smu to 23 points which i think was the second lowest Offensive output for the Mustangs all season. Yeah, and it, it was it was a great game plan, really, on both sides of the ball. Um, this this staff did did a great great job. Um, big adjustment on the offensive side, and on the defensive side, you need to look at BYU. Everybody needs to take a look at BYU the last four games, and look. You know, Kalani's kind of said, "Listen, we're gonna we're gonna be more diverse with what we're doing on defense." Um, and, and everybody that thinks we're just going to put 11 people in line of scrimmage and blitz every play next year, I know Jay said, Jay made a comment. I will put 11 people yeah. in line of scrimmage and blitz before I let somebody just pound the ball at us. Before I was like, he had that, he didn't say, yep, we're going to blitz 11 people every play. Because I promise you, Jay Hill's going to have times when strategically you're dropping eight, right? Yep. And Kalani's calling of the defense where it was a really, really strategic... There were times when they brought five and six. We saw corner blitzes. We saw um, nickel blitzes off the slot on the short side of the field. We saw safety blitzes. Micah Harper involved blitzing off, um, from safety. Multiple linebacker blitzes. We saw five tackles for loss and two sacks and, and a couple of and, deflected balls. And we also saw 
some drop eight at really critical times when it confused the quarterback and there was no place to throw the ball. Like, like Kalani, I felt like it was really in a flow. But I honestly feel like this defense has been pretty solid for the last this four game win streak has been a, a really solid for the defense. And and we give credit um, with no with all of the defense with, with Elisa and Ed and Preston and those guys all kind of having moved on and to everyone the new world. else wondering, yeah, what's going to happen to them? And like what's what's going on? Um, Kalani called on Gavin Fowler, yep. Jan Jorgensen, Vince Fe- uh, Feula, um, that whole group. Um, to say, guys, you you got to be the stability here. And oh, by the way, Jay and Kelly are coming, but this is recruiting week. And so we, we got to get recruiting. So these guys are all going to be out on the road. Kalani is going to kind of say, hey, Gavin and Jan, this is what we need to do. Those guys ran practice for the last several weeks and prepped this team for the bowl game on defense. Kalani had a great rhythm with his play calling in that game. And the result is a team that averaged almost 40 points a game and nearly 500 yards of total offense was held in check. How about the fact that they held him to 10 points in the first half? Yeah. Phenomenal. You know, there was a strategy switch, and we we give credit to Aaron Roderick. On Thursday night, uh, BYU decided uh, they've been preparing Cade Finnegan, and they've been preparing Soljay Maiava-Peters. Maiava's a runner. Finnegan's the passer. Uh, and as the week went on, uh, they figured, you know what? Our best chance to beat SMU is to keep Tanner Mordecai, their quarterback, off the field, run the football, run the clock. They can't tackle. They haven't tackled all season, so let's make them tackle us. And so Thursday night, they go to Sol J, and they said, you're going to start for us. And then at the game, uh, he rushes 14 times for 96 yards and a touchdown. Um, struggles throwing the ball. They knew that. They threw a pick in the third quarter and didn't throw another pass the rest of the game. Cade Finnegan was sick. We were wondering, why aren't we seeing Finnegan? Right, right. They're both redshirt freshmen with no experience. So so Finnegan was, wasn't going wasn't gonna to get in, uh, but we didn't know that at, uh, until later. And so uh, Soljay gets the MVP for offense. Uh, BYU wins the game. As a team, they outrushed the Mustangs 209 to 171, and they won the time of possession battle by three minutes and 10 seconds. There were games this season where BYU lost time of possession by over 20, what, 20 minutes? Yeah. A couple of games where they were over a quarter, and then some change. The other team had the ball, um, and and that didn't happen under all the circumstances you just described, and with a redshirt freshman quarterback that struggles to throw the ball beyond 10 yards, but he's tough to tackle. And they win that game. Honestly, this is as good a bowl win as BYU's had in recent years based on the circumstances, right? With all of the distractions, with your basically your fourth-string quarterback starting in the game. And a lot of credit goes to the players for saying, okay, coaches, we we believe in this game plan, and we're going to go out and execute it. Um, And and then the coaches saying, listen, this is how we're going to win this game. I mean, they, they knew what they had to do. They wanted to keep the scoring way down. They didn't want to get in a scoring match. They didn't have all of their offensive weapons. Um, and they basically said to the defense, we'll possess the ball. So you're going to have a chance to rest. you got to get a couple of stops a half. But we're going to make it so there's way less possessions in this game. And it's like an old school game. It was We always used to say, you go back 10 years, and we used to say, hey, if you can hold a team under 24 points, you should win a game. Well, we don't say that anymore. Now we say it's like, you got to score more than 35 to win a game. BYU scored 24. They held their opponent under 24 by one point, and, and they win the game. And, and remember, the offense didn't even score 24 because Ben Bywater had a 76-yard interception return for a touchdown. 
that added to that, if, if, if you would have said um, to me at the end of the season, before we knew any of this, hey, can BYU's offense score 17 points against SMU and win a game? I would say no. there's no way in the world. Not only will they not win, they'll lose by 21 or more. Um, so this game plan to keep the ball away from them and to run it, and BYU's offensive line, let's give them credit too. And how about Houston Haymuli? He had some blocks had in that game. Blocks. He was knocking people. He should silly. have played more during the season. That's clearly evident. Uh, but I was glad he was able yeah, to go out with he, a bang. He was he was knocking people around. Isaac Rex had a really good game blocking too, and had had a couple of catches. But what a great game plan! That's a people. Somebody said to me the next day, "Man, I, I mean, that was just one point win." I'm like, "Are you listening to yourself right now?" <laughs> First of all, BYU was an underdog in that game. They started their fourth straight. Like, I went through all of these things, and he went, I didn't know all of that was going on. How did they even win? And I'm going, exactly. That's exactly right. How did they even win? Well, I'll tell you what. that uh, The black unis with the blue helmet and the sailor logo, there was, you know, mixed reaction on that one. People like old-fashioned stuff. Mm-hmm. But, other, but other people just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And, uh, and it was cool. It was cool to see the sailor. Uh, on the helmet and the black pirate flag on the back of it with uh, honoring Mike Leach, a former BYU. Really cool. Grad, all, not former BYU grad, a BYU grad. Yeah. Um, and uh, so while they were turning heads in football, basketball was over at the Marriott Center pulling off a stunner. Let's talk about hoops for a few moments uh, in the time we have left for Wise Guys uh, this week. By the way, you can follow us on YouTube. we got the link in the chat. Hit the subscribe button. It's free. Click on the bell. You'll get notifications whenever we post something new or go live. The more subscribers we get, the longer our wives will let us do this show. Exactly. Which we appreciate. Follow us on Twitch. Make your free account by clicking on the chat button in the lower right part of the screen. Sign up for free. Follow us. And then at WiseGuys, YSGuys.com, subscribe to get our weekly email with highlights from the show. And that's free. We, we, we researched it, and everyone's favorite price is free. And so yeah. that's what we've done. Yep, absolutely. That's so, all that's all for no, we, we we need you and and not only are our wives gonna let us continue to do this if you guys all sign up, but um Jack's not gonna kick us out of his uh, studio here. No. It's like no, we, I think we, he's gotta, all we in. gotta get more sense or eventually we're gonna get kicked out. And look, we've got all winter and spring and summer to talk about the big twelve. That's right. talk, this is gonna be the greatest off season in the history of BYU football and the wise guys. Uh, we wanna be uh, we wanna be part of your regular Regular rotation. BYU hoops now with eight wins. Two games this week. Lindenwood tonight. Weber State on Thursday, both at the Marriott Center. This is a, a unique team. We like the things coming along, but but we just need more evidence that, 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 that they've figured it out. they got three quality wins of the eight. Dayton, Creighton, and Utah. I'm not sure you'd pick those three if BYU was going to get eight wins. I don't know if those three would be in there. Quality losses at San Diego State and then USC and Butler. Mm-hmm. Easy wins, Idaho State, Missouri State, Nichols, Westminster, and Western Oregon. And unexplainable losses, South Dakota and Utah Valley. So what do you make of this 8-5 and five group? Yeah, the, I, the, the weird ones are the two unexplained, uh, you know, they just couldn't make a shot to save their lives. Like, it wasn't that Utah Valley and South Dakota uh, played some unique defense that nobody else played and BYU just couldn't get a shot off. It's like, why did this team show up in those two games and not be able to shoot at all? Yeah. It was, it was, and so does that happen a couple more times this season? I don't know. Um, I'll tell you this last couple of games, this they, they've looked much much better, and I do believe that part of it is Rudy Williams. 
Mark Pope made the decision to put Rudy Williams on the bench. This is our the, the Coastal Carolina transfer, right. the senior. Um, he had 26 points against Utah, 26 points against Creighton. He um, His turnovers have been reeled in big time coming off the bench. His scoring has increased big time coming off the bench. I asked Rudy the other night um, over at the Marriott's, and I go, what, you know, what what do you like about coming off the bench? He's like, you know what? I don't really care whether I come off the bench or what. We've noted that he's playing starter minutes. So he says, I don't know, maybe I get into the flow a little bit more when I can watch and see what's happening. And then we asked Mark Pope, and Mark said, basically mirrored that, and he said, listen, some guys, when they can sit for just a minute, take in what's going on, um, see what's what what where the ability to attack is and and then come in a little more calm than all the hype that goes with the start of the game and the introductions and the the videos and all that kind of stuff. Which is cool. Right. It's all really cool. Yeah. But for some reason Rudy coming off the bench has been phenomenal. And he's a game changer. He was a game changer in that Utah game. Twenty six point zero turnovers for a guy who's turned it over more than anyone on the team. Um, and which is why he kind of went to the bench. You have a point guard with 42 assists and 45 turnovers. Whereas the freshman, right. Dallin Hall's got 41 assists, 21 turnovers. That's a plus 24. Right. That's the difference between Dallin and Rudy is 24 turnovers. But when the lights were bright and the youths were in town, 26 points, no turnovers for Rudy. We're excited to see him the rest of the week. He played, he played great in big games. And, and here's what I love about Dallin Hall. All those things we just talked about, the lights going on, the introductions, the... The videos, the fireworks, doesn't seem to change the way he approaches it. Like, he just, he's unbelievably steady. At this point in his career, he's not quite as aggressive offensively as Rudy is. Or um, I do think there's going to come a point in his career when he is. But he's taking care of the ball. That little switch that Mark has made, I think has made a big difference. And I, th- and I think Foose looked healthier in the game against Utah as well. And that helps as well. But Think about what, the, what he's, what... Mark Pope's building when you when you forecast two years from now and you have Dallin Hall as a veteran point guard and you've got Richie Saunders who's, who's been playing who's been really great, well and you have Tanner Toulson uh, you've got uh, Foose as a senior and you throw in Colin Chandler coming back coming back and, 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 you know who, and now you know that's keeps, a group that can go win some games you know who is like and then add a bunch a, of other guys Atiki Ali Atiki has surprised yeah? me yeah. the progress he has made. He was so raw last year. I knew he was a freakish athlete, but I didn't know if he could play. Now I'm going, no, he's the next two years, he's going to be really good. Yeah, and you can see him, like in the tonight's broadcast or on Thursday, watch him closely because you can see him figuring things out. Yep. And, and then sometimes he'll do some things like, oh, I didn't know that was a rule. You can't slam the ball down and not get a technical? I had no idea. We do that all the time back in uh, where I'm from, but – but you can see him learning, and you can see the look in his eyes of like, oh, that's how that works. Yeah, and as he learns, like, he's a little bit quicker to help on defense. He understands, oh, this is where I step over and do this. So he's, he's affecting more shots. He's blocking more shots. He's having a huge impact on defense. He's like, oh, when I catch the ball this deep, this is when I take a drop step and just go right to the glass and put it on the glass. His confidence grows every game. His physical skills are off the chart. His physical skills, Dave, are as good as anybody in the Big 12. Yeah. Like, he's a 6'10 dude that can jump and almost touch the top of the backboard and has great hand-eye coordination, bouncy, can run up and down the floor. He just hasn't played a lot of basketball. Right. So the future for that, you, you mentioned all the people you just mentioned, and then you add that guy 
who just keeps getting better every single game. And then game. two years of other guys. Right. It's uh, going to be. It's Yeah, there's a the there's a light at the end of the tunnel. This, we, we all knew this was going to be what we would call a reloading year um, and, and kind of have some ups and downs. But what I'm seeing is promising. Weber State is at the Marriott Center Thursday night. Uh, 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain on BYU TV. Game day coverage starts an hour earlier. That game just got a lot more interesting after last night when Weber State went into Logan and put the first loss of the season on Utah State, 75-72. to Yeah, The Aggies couldn't shoot. Imagine a team all of a sudden can't shoot. Uh, We know that that story. We've seen that. But, hey, Weber's a well-coached, um, talented basketball team. That's going to be a fun game. You know, and it's, that, and that, it's what's weird in that one. In that rivalry, it's the 48th meeting, I think, or 49th. BYU's 22-0 and 0 at home I know. against Weber yep. State. Well, and, and we have a lot of respect for that program. And the fact that they just went up and beat Logan, or won in Logan, just makes that Thursday game a little bit better. Yeah. Has a little we'll, more to it. But yeah. you know what? It, it's, it's all a big, you know, nothing if BYU doesn't take care of business tonight. Right. Take care of Lindenwood and then Weber State, and we'll be on the call for both of those on BYU TV. Women's Hoops last night got beat by Portland at Portland, 67-45. to A tough start. Uh, You know, the WCC not doing any favors to the women uh, at Gonzaga and at Portland, the first two conference games out of the gate. BYU lost both of them. During the defeat, Lauren Gustin saw her streak of double-doubles come to an end at uh, eleven. She uh, can start a new streak on Wednesday. We thought she, if she could have got through last night, she would have cruised to the record. Oh, yeah. yeah which well, was 17. It, it's interesting. The very first two league games are against probably the two most talented teams in the league outside yeah. of BYU. And so. she did it against the Zags, yep. but did not do it against the Pilots. Yep. Yep. Monmouth tomorrow, that's Wednesday, 3 Eastern, 1 Mountain on the BYU TV app. You'll be working with, yep, with Spencer, Spencer on that one. On that. Yep. All right. So, um, hey, next week on the Wise Guys, don't forget, right, Utah Jazz CEO Danny H. Like, as you mentioned, Dave, it's going it's to be a great uh, month of December when we look back on the guests that we've had on this show. And what a, what so. a year we've had. You go back to, to May, and uh, all the big names come to the Wise Guys. Yep. They've yep. got a tie to BYU. They, they come to this show, and, and we have uh, big names coming in the year ahead. Where Some of these guys are playing in the NFL, so we're just waiting for the offseason. That's right. We'll get them. And they'll, and they'll be here. Um, big 12 Bowl games this week on Thursday, Baylor is that uh, is uh, in the Armed Forces Bowl against Air Force and Louisiana is at Houston in the Independence Bowl. Houston Houston gave up 77 points to SMU uh just a few weeks ago uh, and BYU gave up 23 to SMU. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> that's a great 77-66 was that. That game. is that's totally nuts. That, that actually scared me a little bit. So um, hey, should we cover Cougs in the NFL Let's this week, it. Dave? Okay. Uh, Jags at Jets. Um, Zach Wilson's going to start again this last week, uh, 18 of 35. Uh, a touchdown, 317 yards, two, or two touchdowns against the Lions, not just one. Um, he didn't lose that game. There was a lot going uh, on. I thought he played good. Bad clock management, no question. And the Jets, the Jets fans just may be beyond repair, repair, repair. They make the they, Eagles they fans may just seem be reasonable. Out there. They make Eagles fans seem reasonable. But I hope uh, hope Zach can can come back and have another good game. Yeah. Saturday, Taysom Hill, who threw a sixty-eight yard touchdown pass against the uh, Falcons, he and Danny Sorensen take on the Browns. Saints at the Browns uh, again. Whenever Taysom has the ball, something exciting happens. Get him the ball more often. Yeah, I'm absolutely. not a football genius, 
But as I see that, I'm thinking... Every time he touches it, something good happens, right? Get the ball to Taysom. So, um, and the Lions with Jamal Williams are at the Panthers uh, on Saturday with Brady Christensen. Lions are on fire. I think they're yeah. going to make the playoffs. Jamal's playing great. Big part of that. Falcons' Tyler Algier coming off his first big rushing game. 17 carries, 139 yards, and a touchdown against the Saints. Algier's going to go to Baltimore, take on the Ravens. Always good defensively. And then the Commanders with Dax Millen. Um, are at the 49ers with our guy Fred Warner. It's fun when uh, when guys go head-to-head yep, yep. Uh, and then get together after the game. Monday night, that's the day after Christmas, Kyle Van Noy, Michael Davis, and the Chargers are at the Colts. It's Chargers now making a making a march yep. to the postseason. Making a, a late-season charge here. We'll call them the Chargers making a charge. So, All, All right. right. This day in history, right? Yeah, each each week we do this because I think it's I think it just adds perspective to yeah. life yeah. And, and to how we got. And we go way here. back. We go yeah. way back. We're going to start with uh, 1699. This is important because this affects us next week, right? <laughs> so in 1699, Russian Tsar Peter the Great he ordered um, the Russians' New Year to be changed from September 1st to January 1st. So. Do you think that was, they were just bugged that um, that uh, the bowl games? We're on September first. Yep, it's like we got to we got to make this match up. <laughs> this is, so, but hey, that's affected us all. It really has. Imagine if uh, uh, the other half of the world had New Year's on a different day, different month. New Year's on September first seems weird. Yeah, there's a lot. Is, this is all we've known. There's so. a lot. There was a lot from nineteen in sixteen ninety nine. That's that was <laughs> weird. Eighteen oh three, the French flag was lowered in New Orleans to mark the formal transfer of the Louisiana Purchase from France to the United States. For $15 million. I'm sure that was We've a lot. We've got homes around here that, that people spent $15 million I'm sure that on. was a lot of money back in those days. Hey, in 1922, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republic, the USSR, is formed with 14 republics. That was a... That's like, um, in history, that's like the formation of Darth Vader and, yeah. and his group. The, the axis of evil. <laughs> you know, just the way it's all Well, but there was, there, some of those republics weren't so evil. No, but they, and some of them didn't have choice. Right, right. So, so in they went. 1946, It's a Wonderful Life debuts in New York City. I just, I just saw that going through the TV guide the other night, and I'm like, that film was in 46. That's such a good film. Yeah. 1962, the Osmond Brothers debut on the Andy Williams show. How about that? That was their Amazing. that was their big thing, and yep. then uh, Marie and then Donnie came along it a little later. It all started with Andy Williams. Nineteen sixty six on this day, the NBA awards the Seattle SuperSonics a franchise. So those SuperSonics are now the Oklahoma City Thunder, right? And uh, and maybe Seattle will get another team someday. In nineteen seventy four, Godfather two was released to much anticipation. Oh after, yeah, after and it lived up to the building. Oh, that whole series lived up to the building. 1981, the Cleveland Browns. Of course, this would happen to the Browns. They set a record with 10 turnovers in a game, nine fumbles. Nine fumbles. Now, after the eighth fumble, you come off the sideline. You still have another fumble ahead of you. What's I, going I, on? I remember a time when the Browns, you know, they were great back in the day, but there was a time when I was growing up when people were wearing bags over their heads. <laughs> in the yeah, that wasn't too long ago. <laughs> 1985, Howard Cosell retires from ABC. He was Monday Night Football. I, you know, Frank Gifford was good. Dandy Don Meredith was good. They brought in some other guys. That Didn't matter. Howard Cosell Howard was Cosell. Monday Night Football. Yep. He was, what, what a voice. 1991, this affects all of us. Yes. Father of the Bride was released in the United States. 
with Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Diane Keaton. That was a classic. And the story movie. still is true. It's, and it was a remake, yeah. oh, but it yeah. was just so good. Was and so then, then they had I think two and three or something. But when that one came out, I remember watching that. Uh, that was just a feel good movie. Yes, it was. So birthdays on December twentieth. 1868, Harvey Firestone of the Firestone Tire Company is born in 1868 on December 20th. 1946, Dick Wolf, producer of Miami Vice, Law and & Order, and about nine current shows on television. Uh, he's, he just sits down and makes a fortune every week. But Miami Vice back in the day, oh yeah, the, that was the that trendsetter. Was big, that That's where the time. music and styles came from. They made a movie from. of it, too. So 1981, Roy Williams. Roy Williams. Great receiver. Who is the uncle of BY receiver Keanu Hill? Happy birthday, Ryan. included him in this. Jonah Hill, actor, born 1983 from Moneyball. Yeah. What a, what a role he played hey, in that one. And tomorrow's Libby, Libby Fowler Lloyd's birthday. Libby Lloyd's birthday. Libby Lloyd. My baby girl. She's Happy tomorrow, birthday. the 21st. Happy birthday to Lib. Deaths on December 20th, 1812. Sacagawea, the, the Shoshone interpreter for the Lewis and Clark expedition. Um, was born uh, was uh, died in 1812. You know that Night of the Museum movie series oh, was yeah. also pretty good. Yeah, Second Jubilee was in that, right? Yeah, yeah. 1971, Roy Disney died on this day, and in 1996, Carl Sagan. You know, he was the man about the stars. Yep, absolutely. Caleb Chapman's ready to perform "Rise and Shout" for us tonight, which we think is appropriate to send into the holiday week, and uh, and and BYU looking for a couple more wins. Uh, on the basketball court, coming off that football win uh, at the New Mexico Bowl. DJ, you got Caleb ready? All right. It was a great week to be a Cougar. Here's a rise and shout. Great Caleb Chapman. I was at his Christmas show with the Crescent Super Band at the Sierra Theater in Orem last night. They are again tonight, Tuesday, and again tomorrow night, Wednesday. Outstanding, uh, outstanding show. Go check it out if you can. Next week, Danny Ainge and Tim Lacombe will be with us as we uh, wrap up the year with a bang. This is our final show before Christmas. Merry yep, Christmas. Merry Christmas, and we'll we'll see you on BYU TV in just a minute. Yeah, and then we'll see you Thursday we'll see you night. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, you we'll and I will see you till a week. We'll see a bunch. Uh, it'll be fun. The podcast will be up tomorrow. Tell your friends all about it. Uh, spread the word, and we will see you uh, next week again. Merry Christmas, and thanks for making the wise guys part of your life. <laughs>